I just want to add this announcement. If you are a, uh, if, if you do not have the par- if you are not a parent of a teen, but would still like to help out with the fundraising and bringing food or cooking food, you are welcome to do so at the uh, the fall festival. We would appreciate all the help. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Can you? All right, we're officially ready to start this message. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever been caught in a catch-22 situation? All right, for those of you who don't know what a catch-22 situation is, uh, it's when you're kind of, you're trapped between two options that are either, they're dependent on each other or both just look terrible. So some examples, some modern day examples of a catch-22 situation might be, you need experience to get a job, but you need a job to get experience. Catch-22 situation. Teens, this one's for you. This, this one's just for you. Your parents might say to you, I'll trust you when you've earned it. But they don't trust you enough to let you earn it. No, you've never had that happen before? It still happens all the time. Uh, I think as well is, is that idea of you can have insurance so long as you don't need it. Right? As soon as something goes wrong, the insurance company might drop you. It's just not a good situation. You're stuck between... Okay, fine. That last one failed. But uh, today we're going to look at a catch-22 situation in the Old Testament. And it's that that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find, find themselves in. So if you could turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 8. But really, when I think about their story... Their story is really, it, 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 it really, it, 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 cause, it should cause us to think about this question. And that question is, what is going to make you bow your knees? Or maybe more appropriately, who is going to make you bow your knees? And so in, in Daniel chapter 3, uh, we're going to pick up, this is during the time that the uh, Israelite people are in exile. That means they are, are held captive by, by Babylon, by Babylon and their, their empire and, and Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge right now. And so it picks up in verse 8. It says, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, which I have no idea what a zither is. Kevin. Stringed instrument. A zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is kind of an interesting situation because literally in like a chapter before this, um, all of these astrologers, so to speak, were about to be put to death. They were about to be put to death because they could not answer. Uh, the, ki- the king had a vision, he had a dream, and he put them in this very difficult situation where they had to interpret the dream and none of them could. And so the Jewish, you know, this Jewish man named Daniel, who the book is named after, right, 
comes forward and interprets the dream and basically saves their lives. Saves their lives. And they turn around and ch- turn on the people of Israel, turn on the Jews, and basically try to catch them uh, in this situation where they could be very well put to death. And so it goes on, and it says, But there are some Jews whom you, who you have set over the affairs of that province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. The title of our message today is Faith and the Furnace. You think about this situation, if this were to happen today, I think many of us would be outraged. You can't do that. You can't take away my religious freedom and force me to worship some God that I've never heard of or I don't want to. And I I don't know if that will ever happen here. But it is the reality of of so many of of our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are trying to follow Christ. And it's nice to know that if it does ever happen or if we're ever in that situation, that God has dealt with it before And he knows how to deal with it again. And so there's a lot that we can glean from the example set by these three men. No, Babylonian document from the time of Nebuchadnezzar, we're looking like about 600, between 600 and six, like, and 550 BC, uh, warns, uh, it's, it's about Nebuchadnezzar, and it warns that this image that was written was not to be messed with. It actually says, Besides my statue as king, I wrote an inscription mentioning my name. I erected for prosperity. May future kings respect the monument. Remember the praise of the gods. He who respects my royal name, who does not abrogate my statues and not change my my decrees, his throne shall be secure. His, His life lasts long. His dynasty shall continue. Basically, what was Nebuchadnezzar's mindset? He says, if you, because I am an almighty king, follow what I have said and worship the God that I have said to worship, everything will go well with you. But if you try to even mess with the legacy that I've left behind, it will not turn out well. 
So what kind of a king are we dealing with here? One that's pretty self-absorbed and very confident, to say the least. And so he feels like these, who are these lowly followers of this Israelite God that they can even think about not bowing before me when everyone else fears my name and fears the gods of my name. And so here's kind of the catch-22 situation that they're in. God is saying, worship idols and die. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, worship my idol or die. This is not a good situation to be in, right? And what's interesting is the, the Israelites were actually put into exile because they had done just that. They had worshipped false idols. And so here they are, they're left with this choice of, am I going to continue to worship these false gods, or worship these false gods, or am I going to hold to the conviction that God has called me to? I love in verse 15, what does he say? He says, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Ooh. Oh man, is he going to get the answer to that question? Like, don't you love it when somebody asks you a question that you know it's like it's set, it just kind of sets you up where you're just going to slam an answer in their face, their face at one point? It's like, oh yeah, they think they have it all figured out. They're like, well, you know, I, I don't know about this about God or about the Bible, and oh, but there's no way that the scriptures could say this or that I could talk on this topic. And then all of a sudden, you get that little grimace, and you're like, oh, just wait, just wait until you see what we have in store. And this is the, the, the setup. You, you, know, you know that this guy's about to eat his words, right? He's about to eat his words. It's so exciting. And so, here he is. They're, they're, they're faced with this choice of, will I trust God or in a person to save my life? Will I trust God or in a person to save my life? And that's the same choice you and I are given every day. Do I worship what the world worships? Do I glorify what the world glorifies? Or do I hold on to the Almighty God? And so they respond and they say, God is able to rescue us. And that's a beautiful conviction. God is able to rescue you from any and every challenge and any situation that you're going to encounter in your life. Isn't that incredible? Now here's where the catch comes in. They also say, but if he chooses not to, you know what? We refuse to compromise nonetheless. Now that's a, a spiritual mindset. Because God is calling you to surrender and to follow his will, regardless of what you believe the outcome is going to be. Right? If you think about that, I remember a, a, a few weeks ago, I was walking with Jim. And as we were walking, uh, we were talking about life and the ministry and his different, different situations. And, and he, he shared this, this wonderful insight with me that uh, I, I, well, I'll tell you how I, how I felt about it at the time. But he said, what, what if it's God's will for you to suffer, TJ? And I thought, Jim, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. What do you mean it's, it might be God's will for me to suffer, to hurt, for things not to turn out the way that I hope that they will? 
And he said, well, you know what? It's not terrible if it turns out that you become more like Christ because of this situation. And I thought, okay, well, I can't really argue with that because that sounds bad. But I went back and I, and I started praying. At first I prayed for surrender. And then after I prayed for surrender, I prayed that God would work things out the way that I wanted them to, right? Which maybe said a little bit about the first prayer and where my heart was behind that one. Uh, am I the only one who does this? You sit there, you're wrestling with God. God, okay, I, I, I don't know what your will is. I really don't want things to turn out badly for me. And we get caught up in that. And yet, right when this happens, you see what Nebuchadnezzar continues to do. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar, continuing on in verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. See, in his mind, first he's like, I gave you a chance to do what I wanted you to do. Right? Maybe you feel that way at work or with the people, like other people in your life. They're like, well, I gave them a chance to do what I wanted one time. I gave them the choice. But since they didn't listen to me, now I'm going to bring the hammer. And so he brings the hammer. And he says, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now this is looking pretty bleak. This is a pretty bleak situation. He actually, he, he, it says right that, he, that the furnace is seven times hotter than usual. How do they measure that? You know, is it like when we're like on a grill, you can see the temperature and it's there and then it just goes like, oh, seven times, we've hit it. We've hit exactly what it was supposed to be. Well, more than likely, okay, in, 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 in the Hebrew culture, seven is the number for perfection. So basically they're saying they made the furnace as hot as it could be. They turn the heat all the way up. Now, you guys know it, 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 it's hot out. It's hot in here, right? Maybe I'm a little hot. I have a jacket on, so it's a little hotter. But if you get in your car and you turn the heat all the way up, you're going to be sweating bullets. And so this is, he's like, he's, he's putting them in this situation where literally it cannot get any worse. Have you ever felt that? Like, oh, this just, this, this, my life just cannot get any worse right now. There's literally not another thing that could go wrong. I have the worst luck in the world. And so this is where they are. You know, it's, it's, it's so hot that the mightiest warriors of Nebuchadnezzar's army were killed. Just flat out died. I mean, these are the people that you look at. These are like the, the most put together, intelligent, physically fit person that you can think of. They were, they were consumed by this furnace. Now, there are some trials that we're going to face in our life where you will look at the situation and how it's played out in someone else's life. Maybe, you, you know, when you think about that. And... 
you look, man, that turned out terribly for them. I'm about to go through the same thing. So logically, there is absolutely no way that I can survive this. There is no way that I can get through this. This is too painful. This is too hard. The only the, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And so, they're here. Not only, not only are they in front of this furnace, but they have the disadvantage of being bound and tied up as they're thrown in. As if it couldn't get any worse, right? And here they are. It's worse than it ever could be. Now you may feel that way. You may feel bound by your finances, bound by your circumstances, by rules, by time. And I know when that happens, I can say this. Well, God, let me just get through this circumstance. Let me do it my way because clearly you aren't handling it. And then I'll follow what you want me to follow. Because you really don't know what you're doing. Now, you may never say that, but whenever we take our, our actions into our own hands as opposed to trusting that God will come through, that's, that's what we say, right? That's what we do. And so, as, we, as this happens, as, it gets, as they get closer and closer to the flames, you know, some of us, even though we abandon God, there are others of us in here that I know and I see and believe, and I, I know this number is increasing more and more, who gravitate and hold on to God with even more fervor as the situations in their life get worse and worse and worse. Because right when it looks like, right when it looks like they're certainly going to be defeated, this happens. In verse 24 it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet in amazement and asks his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly. Your Majesty? He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come, come here, come out. Oh, it says, Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the, shatra- and the satraps, prefects, and governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, and defended and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore I decree that people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces and their houses turned into pile of rubble for no other god can save this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Alright. This is really where, if you've missed everything in the message, this is where it's all going to come together. Right here. Are we ready for this? Okay, so here they are. They're in the, in, they're in the midst of the flames. 
And while they're, it looks like they're about to die, like their life is going to end, it's going to fall apart, a fourth figure appears. One like a son of the gods. And whether this figure was an angel, or whether it was some Jesus just decided to pop in for a visit, right, and, and just be there, you, know, you can only imagine what was going through Nebuchadnezzar's mind. What? How? How did this happen? Not even my greatest, strongest men could have survived this. How, how, could, how could they have made it through the flames? There's, there's no way. And so I say this to you. Too often, we compromise before we give God a chance to display His power. Too often, we, we bend our knees because we think the situation is too bad and that, oh wow, if God, you know, God, He's all forgiving, right? God can do that. I, I, just have to, I just have to say to the king, or I can just compromise in this area of my life right now, and, and I'll make it up to God later on. And so we compromise in the areas of purity, integrity, patience, when we should be holding on to him and waiting for him to come to our rescue. Because here's the message that he wanted to make clean, clear to everybody, is that God can protect his people better than any kingdom or king or person on this earth can. Think about it. Not a single hair, not a single piece of their clothing was burned. Not a single one. Now, I can't even stand near a barbecue or near a fire pit without getting the smell of smoke all over my clothing. And God protected them so completely. How much more can He protect us Oh, we have little faith. Oh, we have such little faith. Because there was another fire that was burning in this furnace. There was another fire there. And that fire was their faith. And that faith was hotter than any fire could be around them. And so I ask you, how, how hot is your faith this morning? Is it hotter than the furnace of this life? You know, you think about the conviction that God is calling us to have. And I think about this. God, whether I stay single or not for the rest of my life, I will not compromise. I will follow you. Whether I get that promotion or not at work, I will continue to work with a good attitude. No matter who my boss is. No matter how busy I am, I will connect with you, God, every day. I will not compromise my time with you no matter how frustrating my spouse or my children are, I will not lose my temper. Are you compromising in these areas where God is just waiting, waiting to rescue you and display His power? Because here's the truth. Everyone whether they believe in God or not, is headed for a furnace. Now, some of us will, will, encounter many furnace, will encounter many furnaces in our lives, but ultimately, there is a furnace waiting for us at the end. At the end of our lives. At the end of this age. And so, who do you want to come to your rescue? Because really, we have no hope 
outside of Jesus. He's the one who appears, who says, yes, not a single hair on your head will be touched. Think about all the hair that just falls out as you're sleeping or in the shower on a daily basis. Not a single hair on your head will be touched. And I'm convinced that you in here will be faithful. That you will hold to this conviction because I know you want to see God deliver you. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be hard. And I know many of you in here may even doubt whether or not God is real. Well, there's a surefire way to find out. See. Go and find, trust Him. Put your hope in Him. See if He will rescue you. Now, the beautiful thing is, for those of us who are in Christ, we could be rescued from the furnace of whatever situation we're in, but we know that we will be rescued even if our outer shells, our earthly body, is burned away, we too will be rescued at the end of the age. We too will continue to burn brightly, hotter than any fire ever could be. I think there's, there's, there's something that's happening here that's beyond what we may see, beyond what we may think as we go through the trials of our everyday life. And I think it's an example, what's happening is actually it's an example of evangelism in the Old Testament. Wait, what? No, we only talk about evangelism in the New Testament terms, right? Where we go out and we preach about Jesus and, and, and just talk about him, right? That, that's what we do. Can I get some feedback from anybody in the audience? Thank you. Alright. So how is this? Now this is a little different from what we may consider the quote unquote normal sharing your faith. But here, a king of a nation that doesn't, he believes in false gods ends up praising God. Praising the true God. I want you to think about how amazing that is. That's so amazing. What set God apart in the Old Testament from other gods was, in the Old Testament, every nation had their own God and they believed that their God took care of them and that's it, right? And so, whichever nation won in a war against another was their way of saying, ha my God's more powerful than yours. But what sets our God apart is that God not only was looking out for His followers, for His believers, not only is God looking out for you, He's also looking to see His name glorified in those who don't even have faith to believe in His name. Now, what's going to help them? If we, as followers of Christ, set an example where people can clearly see God's power, His transformative power, His rescuing power displayed in our life, then there's no way that anyone else would be able to say, no, your God is not real. Your God is not real. And I think the revolution, that revolution, needs to start with us. Because how many of us have seen our lives transformed by God? Most of us in here, we wouldn't be here if that were the case. Now, many of us are starting off and we're trying to learn what that is and what that looks like. But their, their, their evangelism, so to speak, was made effective because of their faith 
and because their actions backed up what they said. Because people can see a clear example. Literally, was there any other way that they were going to make it through this furnace? No. There's no way. And so when people see situations that look like there's no way this can work out in your life, and they see, one, your level of surrender, I trust God no matter what He, what he does, but then when they see God deliver you, they'll just stand in awe and say, wow, what a powerful God that we serve. Now this is only possible. This is just think followers of God can handle fires in their life that no non-believer will ever be able to go through. They can't. God allows them to hit God allows us to hit a point where we break, where we say I can't do this anymore. I can't do this my way anymore. So that we have to rely on him because there's no other solution. Now I hope that we get to that point before we hit the furnace. Right? It's always better if we're prepared and that it doesn't hit us when we get there. But God is calling you to set that example. And we can celebrate that victory. Because like we said before, Jesus has freed us from the flames. He set us free. And so my charge to you as we close out this morning is this. Is that for you, Surrender your life. Trust that God will come through. And I pray that you may have faith hotter than any furnace. Amen.